What is up, y'all? It's your boy. It's your boy. It's your boy. Shave the mohawk, take the Jordan tattoo off your calf, and play some ball. He's the best to ever do it. It's that simple. Then go up there with the 12th man, the 13th man, the 15th. You can bring your grandmama's choir on there. Nah, but for real, you gon' have to see me. Everybody wanna be famous, but nobody wanna put the work in. Welcome to the Quinn Mayo Show. You can tell what kind of vibe I'm on right now. I'm joined today by Ben Mehich, Bullets Forever writer. We'll get to that after this. Two Chains, Ariana Grande, Rule the World off the rapper Go to the League album. It's a great song. Ariana smoked this hook, man. I'm just putting you guys on game, and it's a different Wiz podcast. Listen up. Fell in love with a real one, this a dedication. Had him patiently waiting for a revelation. Even when I ain't around, ain't no separation. Your skin's smooth, your eyes brown, and you're far from basic. Then we go to different places with no suitcase. But when we come back, a legend. Rapper go to the league out now on all streaming platforms. You can buy it in stores as well. This album was actually AR'd by LeBron James. The more you know, okay? The more you know, I'm here for you. My name is Quinn Mayo. Thank you for joining me on the Quentin Mayo Podcast. Um, I got to talk to Ben Mehish today. Um, great, great guy. One of my homeboys. Finally got to put him on wax. Get him on the podcast, man. So we had a great conversation. We talked about the future of the team. We talked about Bradley Bill. We talked about all NBA. Anything you want to know about the Wizards, we talked about. We broke it down. And it was absolutely incredible. So after Ariana gets out here with this hook, we're going to go right into that. Stay tuned. Here's my conversation with Ben Mehich about the Washington Wizards. It's going to be great. Tune in. All right, here we are. Finally, I got my boy Ben Mehich, writer for um, Bullets Forever. Also has some pieces on the step back. Ben, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Thanks for having me on. No problem. Um, quick story about us. We kind of knew each other kind of indirectly for quite some time. You know, Twitter is such an easy place to connect with uh, uh, DC uh, people, wizards, I guess, aficionados and fans and analysts. So I was like, one day I got to get Ben on the show. I think I mentioned this a long, long time ago, and then it didn't happen then. So now I'm kind of serious about it. So now we finally got Ben here to talk about these Washington Wizards. Wizards did get a win last night, 121 to, I want to say 113 to the Kings. Um, 115, excuse me. Bradley Bill, I mean, it's not much we can say about Bradley Bill. He does the same thing. Most most nights, um, 27 points, 9 for 20 from the field. He went 3 from 9, 3-point range, finished with 9 rebounds and 9 assists, only 3 turnovers. Bobby Portis and Jabari Parker, these guys are fighting back and forth with each other for who's going to get paid what this offseason. Bobby Portis had a double-double, 17 points, uh, 13 rebounds. Jabari Parker had 18 points. He finished, I believe, what was it, 3 for, uh, three for 5 from 3-point range, and he had 4 Rebound. So, did you watch the game last night? And if so, what were your takeaways from it? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I watched most of it, but um, I mean, I can just sense from the lack of enthusiasm in your voice that you've probably become like most fans where we've reached a point in the season where we're kind of rooting for this team to lose because winning isn't necessarily the greatest outcome at right. this point. But yeah, I mean, it's just like every other Wizards run at this point. It takes a Herculean effort from Bradley Beal. Like you said, he was a, a rebound and an assist shy of a triple-double. He's yeah. had to score 27 points. Um, this, this is a guy who, you know, was on the verge of having a stress fracture not too long ago. Um, he suffered two stress reactions in his career, yet he's playing upwards of 35, 36, sometimes more minutes than that per game. He's leading the league in uh, minutes per game. Yeah. Uh, you have Trevor Reza, who's fossilizing before our eyes, playing 37 <laughs> minutes last last night. So, I mean, this is what it takes for the Wizards to beat a team like the Kings, who I know are much improved, but you know they're not a world beater by any means. But, yeah, th- this is what it takes, and I'm not surprised that they got this win. Uh, Bradley balled out of his mind, and yes, yeah, they got the win, which isn't necessarily the greatest thing in the world. Yeah, um, I was on a, a Kings podcast um, the day before the game, and they asked me, you know, if you had to put your money on somebody, who would you go with, uh, Wizards or the Kings? And I was like, man, I'm going to put my money on the Kings because I don't want the Wizards <laughs> to win. Like, I don't understand this. And I said, just because I said that, Bradley Bill's going to do his thing, and somehow they're playing at home, they have the juice, and they're going to get a W. But I don't want the Wizards to win. But um, since we're talking about this, 15 games remaining, the Wizards are adamant, adamant on making the postseason. Um First and foremost, do you think this team makes the playoffs? No, I don't. I mean, I, I, they're, what, three games behind the eighth seed right now? Yeah. Um, it takes, again, an, a ridiculous amount of effort for them to sneak out a win. It's, I mean, they, they should have got a blowout win here. Uh, I'm assuming you watched the game yesterday. The Kings, it took them like four days to score a point. Yeah. Uh, so it's like they should have they got a blowout win here. They should have been, been able to rest a guy like Beal and Ariza, but they weren't able to. So it's hard for me to see them get many more of these sort of wins, especially since they're, I think their schedule is going to tighten up a little bit more too. So I don't I don't see them uh, winning very many more games. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I don't think this team makes um, the postseason. Just looking at the Eastern Conference right now, um, the Magic, they're pretty much holding it down, um, that A seed, but oh, not the Magic. The Heat are holding down the A seed, but the Magic are right there with 31 wins. The Hornets are right behind them with 30 wins, and then you have the Wizards sitting at 28 39 now the next two games the Wizards play one um which is I mean I think seven of the next eight are home games which is um crazy for people like me who want them to lose because the Wizards do above average at home but they're absolutely terrible on the road um they play the Magic next and then they play the Hornets after that um who they just lost to um a few nights ago I just don't see them making the postseason like you said it just takes too much to to um get a win Brad Bill shouldn't have to be leading the league in minutes for them to beat um, a team like Sacramento, who was even missing their top pick in Marvin Bagley. Um, so it's just absolutely crazy. I think the, they missed the first, the Kings, the first, I want to say, 16 shots. They were like 0 for 16 at one point um, for a stretch of time, and the Wizards were only up by 9 at the end of the first quarter. And I was like, okay, like if the team right. misses that many shots, you have to take advantage of that. And if, if Buddy Hill doesn't take an errant three-pointer step back James Harden type shot over Bobby Portis with 18 seconds left in the shot clock, they might can draw up a play um, to get a better look for maybe Buddy Hill, who you know didn't have the best night, or Bialinta, who was great from downtown last night. So um, they were close to losing one at home, but hopefully for both of us, they lose these games that are really important uh, against the Hornets and the Magic, and we can move on with this franchise. So kind of talking about Bradley Bill, going to keep the ball rolling there. All NBA has been a conversation all season long. Um, I believe Bradley Bill is an all NBA player. I think he he's doing 
absolutely incredible on the floor. He's averaging career highs in minutes, of course, 37.6 a game, but also averaging 25.8 points per game, 5.2 rebounds, 5.5 assists, and a steal and a half. If this team doesn't make the postseason, is it is it wrong for me to feel as though he's not an all NBA player? I mean, look, that's kind of an individual award, right? It'd be it'd be odd for us to just start placing wins um, and attaching that to this credential as well. So, I mean, he's putting up all NBA numbers, but just like any other good Wizards news, it comes kind of with bad news too. So I don't know if we want him to make the All NBA team as, as exactly. cool as it would be because I mean, he he'd be eligible for that supermax and John Wall's chilling at home with a torn Achilles with his Supermax contract, too. And I can't I can't see how the Wizards can afford two of those, especially when you're not putting out a contender. I mean, it would be one thing if they were winning upwards of 45, 50 games with John out, but, you know, they're probably not even going to make the playoffs with their best player out. So right. I don't know if you can afford to have two Max players or Supermax players, rather, on your on your roster and not even be able to make the playoffs. So, I mean, as, as cool as it would be for Brad, I just don't know if it's the greatest thing for the Wizards right now. It's almost like you're reading off of my notes here because that's exactly what I was going to get into after we talked about that. But absolutely, I think um, the credentials, they they meet the the requirements for an all-NBA player. I mean, these numbers are incredible. He's one of the I have him as one of the top three shooting guards um, in the league right now. I have uh, James Harden, him, and uh, Clay Thompson. So um, I think I really want him to get that um, all-star nod, which he got, which he deserves. But to, like you said, to have another all-NBA player on this roster, now you really can't afford anybody or anything. Cap situation is already in shambles. So to do that um, makes for uh, even worse situation but then the flip side of that which i wanted to talk about is okay what if he does not get um the all nba nod then he's just eligible for a re- a regular traditional per se max contract now the wizards don't have any leverage because now any team for the most part can offer him that same exact money that he would get if the wizards could make space to give him a max deal so what is him not making the all nba team and not getting that super max ultimately do for the Wizards headed down the road two, three years from now? I mean, it could potentially turn out to be a better thing for Bradley's career uh, in long term because, I mean, I don't know if you've spoken to people, but I have. And although he has expressed loyalty publicly, and I have no doubt that he wants to remain in Washington for the remainder of his contract, I mean, this guy's going to be in his late 20s by the time his contract is up. He has two years left. I'm assuming, I mean, assuming he stays healthy, he's going to keep putting up these all-NBA-type numbers, especially if John misses all of next year. Right. Um, this guy is going to be one of the most sought-after free agents, and he's going to become one of the most highly paid players in the history of the league. Yeah. And you're going to have teams like the Lakers. You're going to have teams like the Knicks. You're going to have teams like the Nets. We're going to want to pony up that insane contract as well. And, you know, it'd be insane to think that Bradley wouldn't be interested in those teams, especially having played non-playoff basketball for years mm-hmm. with this team. So, I mean, I could definitely see this being an awesome thing for Brad long term. I could see him signing with a contender after the Wizards. And this could ultimately just become a platform for him to bolster his his already, you know, interesting candidacy for free agency. Yeah, Bradley Bill is... I just laugh every time I hear him in interviews and post-game and pre-game. He's just he's a well-polished player, man. I mean, he shows emotion on the floor. But when it comes to asking questions about anything, he's absolutely bought in. And that's what Wizards fans want to hear. He's, I'm bought in. I, if I could die in this jersey, I would do it. And he's, like, begging, like, please, if I get this all in me, please give me the Supermax. Um, and it's, and it's, it's so funny to hear him because you're never going to hear any comment from him and, and read deeply into it because at the end of the day, 
if the Wizards can't give him a Supermax deal, it would make no sense for him to stay in a situation like this that's absolutely in shambles, especially with how um, management has handled things um, throughout his entire career. So, yeah, that's kind of putting a cap on that. And what I was saying was when I'm leaning towards um, if he has to if they make the postseason or not. I looked at, I think, a few all, the last three or four all NBA teams and except for a couple years, or I think it was one year. Most of the players and all actually all the players on those all NBA teams were in the postseason. I just can't see them, even though it's supposed to be an individual award. If the Wizards lose 50 games like that's I just can't see the, the Bradley Bill being on that on that list. And it's even like when you're looking at the MVP thing, like, yeah, the MVP is supposed to be the best individual player. But if that team is not um, that team success is kind of like what voters and things of that nature used to edge a player over another like Giannis, his team is incredible this season. Russell Westbrook is about to average a triple double for the third straight year, but he has Paul George. But things of that nature, just team success and how it kind of impacts those quote unquote individual accolades. So, I mean, look, oh, the, the Wizards should be, the, the Wizards honestly should be a lot worse than they actually even are. Yes. And that's just, that's a testament to how great Bradley has been this year. I mean, you'd be hard pressed to find what two, three better shooting guards than them. You can, I mean, James Harden is obviously the best shooting guard in the NBA, but then after that, I mean, you can make a, you can make a really good case for Bradley Bill after that. I mean, Clay Thompson is obviously Clay Thompson is a hall of famer, but you can make a case that Bradley Bill has been better than him this year. He's been carrying the the Wizards. Yeah, I mean, he's been carrying the Wizards to the point where we're talking about them potentially making the playoffs, and that should not be the case because, mm. I mean, I was talking to a friend, actually. I mean, who's the Wizards' second-best player right now? <laughs> Bobby Portis? Like, who? who is it? Yeah. That's pathetic. That yeah. you're, I mean, not no shade at Bobby Portis. He's obviously a really good offensive player and, and a role player for most teams, but if Bobby Portis is the second-best player on your roster right now, you should be a lottery team, no question. Yeah. And the Wizards aren't. So, I mean, that's a testament to how good Bradley has been this season. Very true. Very true. So we're going to, after that Bobby Porter segue that you just laid it up there for me, let's talk about Jabari and Bobby Porter. So <sighs> would you take Jabari Parker, Bobby Portis, neither or both at the end of the season? Now, before you, actually, before you answer that question, let me give you some things to think about. So since joining this team, um, the team re- um since joining the team, Jabari and Bobby Portis and uh, that guy Wesley Johnson that nobody talks about, the team rebounding has jumped from 28th to 15th in the league, averaging 4.6 more rebounds a game. Portis is averaging 9.4 rebounds per game, while Jabari is averaging around 7. Three-point defense has actually increased as well, which is something that has been the Achilles heel or a Achilles heel for this team all season long. Um, they went from dead last in three-point defense to 7th best in the league at 33%. Um, they have a better pace. They're Third in the NBA in the last 13 games in their pace rating, which is 104.85. Now, they have gotten worse on defense. They're giving up three more points per game. They're forcing three fewer turnovers now per game, and they rank that ranks 17th in the league. And they're giving up 7.2 more points in the paint. And to top it all off, they lead the league in turnovers with 15.8 since the trade. They were previously ranked 11th with 14. So... What are you doing with these guys, man? I know it's a lot of factors with each and each of them, but what are you doing with Jabari Parker and Bobby Portis? Because they've been playing really good basketball. I mean, I admittedly bought into the NBA Twitter narrative just having not – I mean, I don't think you could fault me for this, but forgive me for not watching very many Chicago Bulls games. 
yes. this past year. I, um, I didn't <laughs> I didn't watch Jabari Parker play very often, and sometimes, you know, to no fault of anyone's, he was hurt often towards ACL multiple times, hasn't played a ton of NBA basketball, didn't get to watch a lot of him play. But I did read the narrative, and I did see the narrative, and a lot of people made him out to be this horrendous player who should play in the Chinese Basketball Association, who has yeah. no business being in the NBA. And then, I mean, I've watched their debuts, and I was shocked at how talented this guy was. His ability to grab a rebound and go. I mean, I, I, I thought long and hard about the last time the Wizards had a forward who could just grab a rebound and go, and I honestly couldn't even think of one. He's he's a giant. I didn't realize how big he was. He's six eight. There aren't a ton of players who could stop him when he's when he has his head down. And he's going towards the basket. Right. His court vision is really good. And uh, granted, he's been turning the ball over more than three times a game. But you know, I'd I'd guess that half of those turnovers are having guys like Ariza run behind him and not be able to catch the ball. You know, a lot of those turnovers aren't his fault. Granted, some of them are, but. He's, what, 23 years old, hasn't, doesn't have a ton of NBA experience, but the talent is so obvious. I mean, there's yeah. some, some – you watch NBA players play, and then there's a clear difference between a guy who has star potential and a guy who's simply a role player who, who's making his money by doing the things that he needs to do on the court, mm-hmm. whether he's a catch-and-shoot guy or whether he's just a pure defender. But Jabari, this guy is one of the best – I mean, it's been a really long time that I've seen an offensive player on the Wizards like this, especially at that position. I mean, his ball handling, his vision, his ability to score inside and out, his burst after having torn his ACL multiple times is mm-hmm. absolutely insane. And then I watched Bobby Portis, and I mean, similar things. Like you mentioned, he's been a really good rebounder for this team. He's a lot better of an outside shooter than I imagined. He's been a better finisher at the rim than he was in Chicago. So both of them have flashed a ton of offensive potential. But when I watch Bobby play, I don't know if you get this impression, but he reminds you of Andre Blatch a little bit, mm. where he leaves a lot to be desired uh, defensively. Granted, he's young as well, has a lot to grow on that end of the floor, but I mean, just he doesn't have incredible length. He doesn't have incredible leaping ability. His footwork isn't great. He's not great off the pick and roll. Right. He's not going to stop pick and roll. So I don't see him becoming a great defender. Whereas Jabari, I mean, his footwork is really good. I can see him grow on that end of the floor. So, I mean, I'd go upside alone. I mean, if it was up to me, I would, neither of these guys would be on the roster. It gets a little complicated because Jabari has a $20 million team option, mm-hmm. which any smart team would decline. Uh, I wouldn't put the Wizards in the smart category, so I have <laughs> no idea what they're going to do there. Right. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they value Bobby Portis more because Parker's kind of seemed like a throw in. We'll see what we can get with him anyway. But, I mean, at this point, I think you, you um, err on the side of upside and, He's shown a lot more upside, I think, than Bobby has. So I'd probably go – if I had to choose between the two, I'd probably go Jabari. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm saying the same sentiment with you. I said that on Twitter yesterday, and a lot of people – I was surprised at the people that didn't agree with that. I mean, Jabari is – we were talking about early on this podcast is just who's the second best player on this team right now. And I would argue that Jabari is the second best – at least scorer is Bradley Beal and then it's Jabari Parker. And one thing about Jabari, man, those, those ACL injuries you think could slow him down, but – I love how he's always trying to dunk the ball. He's always trying to slam it on your head. He's always trying to finish, and he's so big, so strong, and he looks like he absolutely believes that he's stronger than you. He's more physical than you. You can't do anything about it. I'm going to dunk on your head, and we'll talk about it later. I mean, I don't even know how many dunk attempts he's had since he's been in D.C., but I see at least five to six dunk attempts every game from Jabari Parker, with him finishing most of them. So I love how strong he is around the rim. Um, Yeah, Bobby Porter's just... Oh, it's just he's he's one of the he's a more streaky player than um Jabari Parker for me. 
Um, and like you, that Andre Blatch comparison is pretty good. I'm trying to look at some stats here from Andre Blatch, um, but I can't really find any. But yeah, I think I think I would lean towards Jabari Parker. Now the question is that team option of 20 million. I think we're both on the same page of we're not going to pay him 20 million dollars to return. So what would that number be, or what would that contract be um, for you to feel comfortable with bringing Jabari back in to help this team out? I mean, this is get. I mean, the Wizards created this mess of a situation for themselves. Absolutely. So I mean. Uh, I don't even, it's hard for me to even answer that question. Like, what is his value right now? What is his value to the Wizards? I have no idea. What's his value to the rest of the league? Probably around five, six million dollars. Because you don't want to pay a guy like that more money and add long-term options. But these are the things the Wizards do. I mean, they give a, an option to Jason Smith. They give an option to Jody Meeks. They give an option to Dwight Howard. So, I mean, it, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if they go that right with him as well. I mean, it's insanity at this point, but I mean, I, I digress. I, I mean, his value is going to be tough. I think Bobby Portis probably has a lot more value at this point. You know what you're going to get with him. Um, he is streaky, like you said, but he's going to give you double-digit points. If he gets enough minutes, he's going to give you double-digit rebounds. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see him getting upwards of 12, 13 million a year. Uh, as for Jabari, though, I mean, I think paying him anything more than six, maybe even seven million is is, um, is probably an access of what he should be getting paid, but it's gonna get it's gonna get weird because they want to resign Trevor Reza and Jeff Green for some reason, even though they should have unloaded them. What is that? What what is that? <laughs> I was gonna get into that. We're gonna talk about the guys that left us in our flourishing, um, in other locations. But what the hell is this? This tra- we want to bring Trevor Reza and Jeff Green back. They should have traded him back when he had interest from LA and all these other teams, these playoff contenders that would love to add these forwards. I'm just. I'm sorry I cut you off. I just don't. I'd get so angry, but it makes zero sense. Like, why bring these 33-year-old guys back? I don't understand. I mean, I think it runs deeper than we than we think about it. Um, these guys are, are managing and coaching for their careers. You know, if, if Ernie Grunfeld does get fired, and he hasn't necessarily gotten a vote of confidence from, from Ted Beyonce's recently either. So if he does get fired, I mean, you have to assume that it's probably the last time he'll ever get a GM job in the NBA. And if Scott Brooks gets fired... Probably the last time he's going to be a head coach in the NBA as well. I don't see these guys getting promoted anytime soon or going to coach or run another team after getting fired. Well, I don't know um, about. So the, I, I, I agree with the. I agree with the Ernie take. I don't know about the coach. The coach Brooks take. I think he could get another job after he leaves here. I think he'd be a good assistant. I mean, it, look, I think it's a it's a strong indictment as is. You had three MVPs on your team. Granted, they were all very young. Yeah. You failed to make it work um, this year. I mean, any any team that looks at, a, at another team deeply can see that. I mean, he's really screwed up the development of the team. He's he's played Trevor Reza 37 minutes a game instead of giving some, like Troy Brown run. Devin Robinson has never stepped on the court for some reason this year. He looked like a stud in the D League. Mm-hmm. Yet, I mean, Sam Decker might listen to this and send me hateful DMs, but I mean, why is Sam Decker getting playing time right. when, granted, he's been productive at times? But someone like Sam Decker doesn't have a long-term future. Um, in the NBA, or with a specific team, rather, with the Wizards. Meanwhile, someone like Devin Robinson, who's in his early 20s, jumping out of the gym, has insane physical potential. You could turn that into something, mm-hmm. yet he's not playing. And this, this sort of things are an indictment on Scott Brooks. So, I, I mean, these guys are managing and coaching for their careers. Trevor Reza, you can argue, was having a better season than Kelly Oubre at the point of the trade. So you make a trade for the better player, even though long-term the trade doesn't make sense. Same thing here with Otto Porter. Um, you can argue that the production of both Portis and Jabari Parker are better than the production that Porter will give you a loan, especially since his confidence is rattled here to no fault of his own. 
So I can see why you would make those trades if you're coaching and managing for your careers. But if you're the owner, why you'd sign off on these trades, knowing that there's a team past the season, that you're going to be the owner of the Washington Wizards past 2019, that you're supposed to build for the future. You want to build and maintain a contender. You want to build and maintain a good team as opposed to just possibly making one who sneaks into the playoffs and gets right. swept by the Bucks. Mm-hmm. I have no idea why he'd sign off on this. But I can guess I, I guess I can rationalize why someone like Ernie Grunfeld who might never be a GM ever again make this sort of trade. And that's that that was kind of a red flag to me because like you said, if a, if a team is going full rebuild, which they should be going, um, yeah, you give those picks uh, give those guys up for some picks or something of that nature. Just get something something that helps progress this team past this year um, in return. But that was kind of the red flag to me, like, okay, Ernie is still really interested in making the postseason. He's not and he's never been interested in a long term future of the Wizards past, you know, whatever he sees in one season in ticket sales or, or the lack thereof. Um, but that just made me feel like, okay, everything is on the line here. He made these trades for Jabari and uh, Bobby Portis, not only to get under the cap, the, the repeater luxury tax, but he's trying to really make a push and prove to Ted that, hey, give me one more chance. Like, if this is my last chance, I can prove to you I can make the postseason. So that would, it's just little things like that where you're like, okay, step one is complete, but they don't make the other steps to trading Jeff Green and, and Trevor Reza, who aren't crazy trash, but they're not world beaters either. I do like um, what Jeff Green brings sometimes, as well as Trevor Reza when he can finally put the, the three ball down. So that that's just kind of a red flag to me. Of I think this is the last um, go around for Ernie Grunfeld, or at least part of that might be, I, I think from what I've, I'm seeing that that's the last go around. But the other part is, I think, more wishful thinking than anything. Right. And then, for, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. I, I mean, I'd kind of agree with you as I mean, maybe we're, we're being uh, overly pessimistic and not being optimistic enough. But I mean, he, he has directives, you know, and Ted Leonsis has made it clear from the start. I want to make the playoffs. So yeah. what do you do? I'm going to get players, veterans who can stabilize my this completely dysfunctional roster. I mean, at the beginning of the season, we were talking about trading Bradley Beal, John Wall, everyone. I mean, just get rid of everyone because that's how dysfunctional this team was. So you bring in guys like Trevor Reza who can stabilize the locker room. Uh, you get rid of someone like Otto Porter who was scapegoated with hopes of maybe uh, stabilizing the locker room some more. So, uh, I mean, he's done what Tenniantis has asked him to do, right? I mean, try and make the playoffs. So he's doing that right now. So it's hard for me to say that, you know, after the season they'll can him because he didn't meet the goal. But, I mean, he's doing he's, – he's, he has directives and he's following through on those. And a lot of this hate, a lot of this a lot of this disappointment is misdirected, I think. Because if, if Ted Leonsis sat down with Ernie Grunfeld and was like, look, the season did not go according to the plan. We suffered injuries and whatnot. We, sh- we should look to rebuild. I mean, I have no doubt that Ernie Grunfeld would probably look to load – unload Jeff Green and look to unload Trevor Reza. But when your owner, the guy who's signing your checks, is telling you that you must make the playoffs, these are the sort of trades that you make. Yeah. This is the sort of culture that the Antis has built, and you know, this is what Ernie Grunfeld is running with. Yeah, it's it's absolutely a mess. Absolutely a mess. Um, I, I, let's talk about it then. I, I think Thomas Bryant, he didn't have a good game at all last night. What, what do you do with Thomas Bryant? Just I mean, I think the question. Wizards... Yeah, I mean, I think the Wizards are trying, and this is an odd thing to do, and this is what bad franchises do. I mean, good franchises. I remember the Houston Rockets had signed like Chandler Parsons, like a four-year, very, very deal, very small deal, knowing that he was going to be valuable. And teams have done that um, often after that. And the Wizards kind of just signed him for the rest of the year, didn't really bank on his long-term potential. When a good team, you know, there's a starving player in Thomas Bryant who wants 
a long-term contract. You could have signed him for cheap, and now they've put themselves in a situation where they seem to be intentionally limiting his minutes so his value can decrease. Right. They can sign him at a cheaper price, which is such an insane thing to do because you're hindering his development, one. And two, that's not you're not showing any sort of confidence in that player. You know, So I don't know. I, I think... Again, this is the sort of situation where it's creative for themselves. Do you go with a Thomas Bryant because he probably has more upside than a Bobby Portis? Uh, he's not a great defender either, but when he gets enough minutes, he's guaranteed 20 and 10, or at least it seems to be that way. Yeah. But also, do you want to give him a long-term deal and then just end up with an albatross because he can't defend and you can't really have a player like that on the court um, for very long? I don't know. It's going to be tough. Um, uh, it's a shame, too, because Ernie has done a decent job at finding random young talent that can play. I mean, Troy Brown, I hated on that pick, and he's been he's been fine. I want him to play more. I mean, Thomas Bryant was a good find. Jason Randall has been a decent find. Sam Decker, at times, has played well. So he's done an okay job at finding young talent. Even Jabari Parker might end up being in that, in that group. But, I mean, th- th- it's all a mishandling, and I don't really know what the hell you end up doing with Thomas Bryant this summer. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. So to, to kind of wrap things up, you have the keys to this team, all right? I'm giving you the figurative keys to the Washington Wizards. What are you doing with this franchise to to get them, I guess, maybe just started in the right direction? Like, you're heading to this offseason. We will say that the Wizards don't make the postseason. What do you do with this team? What is your plan? Sell me on it. I mean, you have to just tell. You have to be, I guess, um, transparent with your fan base and let them know that. Look, your best player who you just signed to a long-term Supermax deal, he's not going to be around for the next two years. And when he comes back, he's going to be 30 years old off a of torn Achilles. So chances are he'll probably never be an all-star again. That's just being honest, and you have to be honest with your fan base. And you don't have to say this word for word, but you have to let him know that, look, we have to start over. We're going to try and build around Bradley Beal because he is an all-NBA talent, and he's still only in his mid-20s. But to do that, it's probably going to, we're going to have to suffer a little bit. So you renounce all the all the veteran guys. You don't look to re-sign a 34-year-old Ariza. You don't look to re-sign a 34-year-old Jeff Green. You let them go. You re-sign Thomas Saransky if you can. And if you can't, you try and find young talent. You take flyers and you accept the fact that you're going to suck for a while right. because that sucking is going to pay off rather than winning 35, 40 games, maybe sneaking into the playoffs. Get the top picks. Load up on draft picks. Have Bradley Beal. You know, show these guys the ropes, and hopefully you build a cast of young guys that give your fan base hope. Because I think losing with hope is a lot better than winning and hoping to lose. Yeah. You know, yeah. at least your at least your fan base has a has a sense of direction and has a I guess you know a vision as to what the team wants to do. But right now, there's clearly no vision. They're kind of just doing things to do them with hopes of you know uh, miraculously winning games, and that's not that's not panning out. So if I if I have the keys, you start a rebuild right now. You you start shutting down Bradley Beal. You give guys like Troy Brown more minutes, and the losses will pile up, but at least the fans see that you're trying to do something. Yeah, I like that. Absolutely like that. Before we leave, you know I can't leave without any Kelly Oubre talk. Um, you've probably seen this stat. Since uh, becoming a starter for after the All-Star break, Oubre is averaging 18.9 points, six rebounds, two steals, while shooting 44.9% from the floor. And he is going to be up for a payday this offseason. Now, of course, I'm not going to sit here and act like the Wizards could afford. Um, actually, you know what? No, I, I think the Wizards, and this is um, this is a long time in the making of them mishandling things, but I was interested and motivated by what Kelly Oubre could do for this team. 
for a, a long time from now just to help this team get back in the right direction and and have that youth movement uh, go through the the veins of the Wizards. But you know he's in this he's at the Suns right now he's doing his thing and I don't even have to tell you what Otto Porter's doing. I think some I can't remember was it Van Gundy or something saying that you know Otto Porter's no longer the whipping boy yeah. in DC and he's flourishing. These guys are flourishing. Austin Rivers flourishing uh, on a on a a big contender in the Houston Rockets. And he's playing very well for them to back up Chris Paul, even getting some starting time with Chris Paul going down for injuries here and there. So um, what do you, what do you feel about these guys that have departed from DC and kind of made their names and made their way um, in new teams? I mean, it's no longer an in-house secret, right? You have a guy like Stan Van Gundy, who's been around the NBA for decades, go on national television and say, yeah, Otto Porter was the whipping boy. Yeah. Like this, this is the national narrative. Now this is the narrative around the league. They know that the Washington Wizards are dysfunctional. They know that guys like Otto Porter aren't to blame, yet they get to blame anyway because that's what the Wizards do. They scapegoat someone instead of going to the root of the issue. And these guys leave and they thrive. So I'm not surprised in the least. I mean, Kelly Oubre, I mean, he has a lot more of an opportunity. He doesn't have to play on eggshells thinking that he'll get yanked out the game. I mean, he's, he never really even got a chance to start. If you're losing and you have a guy like Kelly Oubre who has loads of potential and he was billed as your small forward of the future at one point in his early career. You have to give him a chance to start. Yet he was, and then they yanked him out the lineup almost immediately mm. because he was making mistakes, which is what young players do when they're given their first opportunities. Right. right. And here in, in Phoenix, surrounded by young guys, surrounded by confident young players, a young coach who instills confidence in these guys, allows them to make mistakes, and now you're seeing a guy grow. He's developing into a really poised small forward, a guy who's defending at an elite level, who's shooting the ball efficiently, something the Wizards wanted from him, never really gave him an opportunity to do, and this is the opportunity he's getting in Phoenix. So I'm not surprised in the least. I'm sure you'll see more of this come from a guy like Thomas Bryant if he ends up elsewhere, where he's shown flashes of being really good, and then he leaves, and he does exactly that at a more consistent level mm-hmm. elsewhere. This is just what the Wizards have been doing for a while. They did it with Chris Webber you know, back in the day. Um, we've seen it to a lesser extent with guys like Sean Livingston, who yeah. got waived by the Wizards twice. <laughs> and we've seen it from a guy like Shelvin Mack, who's went on to have a long career, and the Wizards went for years looking for a backup car to the point where they were re-signing Ramon Sessions and hoping that he would you know, spark again. But, yeah. yeah, this is just what the Wizards do, so I'm not in the least surprised, and I'm sure you're not either. Not at all. You can throw Garrett Temple in there, too. Garrett Temple was a great exactly. guy, great locker room guy, and he did his job, and uh, the Wizards let him go as well. Now I'm interested. I keep trying to get out of here and close this podcast, but now I'm interested. Okay, so... Let's look at, um, I was going to say something about John Wall. Oh, no, not John Wall, because we already covered that. So, are we on the same page thinking that, well, give me your percentage of um, Scott Brooks returning as the head coach of this team next year? What, what would you, how likely do you think that is? Man, I'd say it's pretty high. I'd probably guess like 65, Jesus. 70%. Oh. Yeah, I mean, just because, I mean, look, Ted Leontis is a really patient dude to Extremely. stubborn, I guess you could even say, too, way too patient, doesn't want to pull the trigger. Um, Randy Whitman was kind of had the writing on the wall, uh, on the wall rather, um, was, was really stubborn and didn't get along with management, had a really hard time getting along with players at times. Mm-hmm. And Scott Brooks isn't that way at all. I think his disposition is a lot different. Um, the players like playing for him. He's a player's coach. Um, he lacks an X's and O's, not the greatest strategist in the world, but like players playing? like playing for him. Like I think so. I think so. Look, he's a guy that uh, we had substitute teachers growing up, right? And some of those guys you could walk all over, but when you see him walk into your classroom, you're like, ah, Mr. K's all right. You know, he'll give us the answers from time to time, too. He'll let us get a pass. 
he'll give us he'll let us get a pass. Scott Brooks is that sort of guy. You know, like he's that. not going to be too hard on you if you make mistakes, but he'll he'll call you out. He's not going to be too hard on you. He's not a Randy Whitman hard ass type coach. You know, mm-hmm. so they like playing for him because they can get away with things. I that's the sort of calls the Wizards have made. I think that's what they need, though. I think they need a coach that not only is is harder than what that they respect. But also has some prowess and some some idea of some more strategy in the half court offense. Some just draw up some plays, please. Like have a more sound offensive philosophy, and that's one thing. Because you know my my gripes against Scott Brooks are well documented. But I even I, I was so upset one time. I went back and looked at the old articles about Scott Brooks back when he's at OKC, and it, they're they're saying the yeah. same exact things that you're saying. That the players liked him. They thought he was a good guy. They respected him, but. He lacks the ability to elevate his ta- elevate his players past their talent. You know, talent only takes you so far, and I think that's one of the prime examples of what happened in OKC and what happened here. You got really talented guys, once in a generation guys, um, but you're not elevating them past that, and uh, that's that's one of his biggest issues for me. Um, but let's say I'm, I'm going to say that he's not coming back, but that also piggybacks off the the assumption that Ernie Grunfeld is out of here. But if his contract, which the, the last year of his contract is next year, is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I think he has a couple of years left on his deal. And that's another thing. They paid Randy Whitman into, I mean, they were paying him and he was at home. Do you want to pay another coach who's one of the highest paid coaches in the NBA who actually has influence in roster making decisions? and pay him while he's at home and not doing any of those sort of duties and then hire who you know <laughs> and i think i think it was a sort of indictment too when we saw all these assistant coaches leave the wizards last summer mm-hmm. no one really talked about that someone like chad Eski, who the who the team actually liked the roster or the everyone on the roster liked playing for him he gave the team energy kind of just dipped out yeah. so they didn't even have anyone on the assistant coaching staff who they could potentially promote you know, this isn't the case with most NBA teams. They have a head coach type guy on the bench with the head coach. Yeah. You know, the Sixers have a guy like Monty Williams who, you know, if, if Brett Brown has to step away for a second, you can fill him in. You know, they don't, the Wizards don't have these sort of guys. And I think that was an indictment on the way the coaching staff operates and the way the management operates. So, I mean, I don't, I don't again, if Ernie Grunfeld is making these sort of hires and Ted Leonce is signing off on them, I mean, fire him. Go for it. But then who are you going to hire? Mm-hmm. Hire a guy like Stan Van Gundy. Who are you going to hire? Vinny Del Negro. Like, these are the retreats that the Wizards look at. They're not going to look at a guy like Jerry Stackhouse, who's done an amazing job at de- developing job. this skill. Exactly. That. They're yeah. not going to look at a guy, you know, who like Kenny Atkinson, who who, who came up in the coaching circles, um, was groomed for this. The Wizards hire retreats. They look at a guy like George Carl. Vinny Del Negro, Stan Van Gundy's of the world who failed over and over and have gotten chances over and over with really no no reason whatsoever. So, I mean, even if they do fire him, I don't really see any hope in that. Yeah, it's, it's all about the names with the Wizards. Same reason uh, we kind of alluded to the fact that the reason Scott Brooks was brought here, he was the only interview they had, is because they wanted to bring KD right. here. And, like, you don't even you didn't even talk to KD to see how he felt about Scott Brooks first. Like, it's it's just so, so many short-sighted um, um, moves with this team. But, Ben... I, I think that was great. Um, thank you for coming on. This is why I got to surround myself with guys like Ben, man. They're way smarter than me. They make me look and sound smarter on shows like this. And then I could just lean on them for all the information and just reap the benefits. So, Ben, thank you for joining me. Anything you want to plug before you get out of here? No, man. Well, I appreciate you for having me on. I mean, we're, we're providing great coverage over at Bullets Forever. If you want a negative article or two. I used to be the positive Pixels guy, but now I just pump out <laughs> negative content. I've become the pessimistic Pixels guy. But right. I appreciate you for having me on, and uh, it, was, it was fun talking Wizards for a bit. 
no problem. Ben Mehich. There we go. Pronouncing it right on the Quentin <laughs> Mayo podcast. Once again, thank you. And we will see you soon. That was my conversation with my boy Ben Mehich. Great stuff there. Um, absolutely insightful. It was a great conversation. If you guys enjoyed this podcast, man, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast from Spotify podcast, Apple podcast, um, wherever you get it from SoundCloud, leave a like, leave a rating too. If you want to rate the pod, just let me know. Check me out on YouTube. Just type in Quentin Mayo. I should pop up and um, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, T-O-Q-M underscore. Also follow Ben Mehich. He has the check. So just type it in and uh, you'll be able to find him. Gonna have some great guests continue to come on the show. Uh, really makes it exciting to pick the brains of these different um, powerhouses around the Wizards um, analysis organization, this this Wizards media um, group that we have. So um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. A lot of great guys coming through soon. See if I can get my boy Chase Hughes on here, Fred Katz of the Athletic, Chase Hughes, NBC Sports Washington. But uh, yeah, without further ado, DC family, I'm out of here.